Welcome to the Polygamer Podcast, where gaming is for everyone. Join us as we expand the boundaries of the gaming community. I'm your host, Ken Gagney, this week on Polygamer. I want everyone to live the best version of their life that they can. I might still have bad days, but that's okay, because overall, life's going to be good. That's Susan Arndt, managing editor of Games Radar and co-founder of Take This, a nonprofit that addresses mental health issues in the video game industry and community. Susan and her husband, Take This co-founder Russ Pitts, were on the Polygamer podcast episode number seven back in October 2014, when we talked about how Take This was founded, what its mission is, and how it engages in outreach to the video game community, and how we as gamers can benefit from it and support Take This. It's one of my favorite episodes, and not just because Susan and Russ are two of my favorite people in the video game industry. Susan was on both of the first two PAX East panels I moderated, the second one which was the inspiration for this podcast, a panel all about feminism and sexism in the gaming industry. Russ, meanwhile, is working on a series of video profiles about specific individuals and celebrities in the video game industry, such as John Romero. Stage of Development, The Human Stories of Video Games, recently held a Kickstarter that I supported, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing the end products, because I think it's really important to remember that developers are people, gamers are people, and that there's a lot more to gaming than just games. And that, in a way, is also what Take This is about. Whether we're talking about games as an interactive pastime or as a narrative art form, We're often talking about the games, and we sometimes forget to talk about the gamers, ourselves, and each other. But more often than not, at least I hope that is the case, games bring people together. It gives us the opportunity to break down barriers and share ourselves in ways that are unique to this industry. This industry also has challenges that are unique. Just like sexism, mental health exists in every industry. But the way that it manifests itself and the way that we can address it are unique. To this community and take this recognizes that and works within that specific space. I encourage you to go back and listen to Polygamer number seven to learn more about Take This or to visit them at takethis.org, where you can find out more about their holiday stream. Take This and its supporters will be on Twitch December 28th to the 29th, sharing their holidays with anybody who finds this time of year a little bit challenging or a little bit lonely, or who just want to spend some of it rocking out with some awesome gamers. I invited Susan on this show to discuss how Take This has evolved in the years since she was first on this podcast, and also to discuss some other issues with mental health in gaming, such as how it has been represented in some of 2015's best games, including Rise of the Tomb Raider and Life is Strange. There are some discussions of difficult subjects, including depression, anxiety, PTSD, and suicide. If you're not in a space right now where you want to hear those topics being discussed, then you are welcome to stop the podcast here and come back in two weeks for the next episode. That episode, as all of them, can be found at polygamer.net. You're also welcome to reach out to me on Twitter at GameBits if you just want to talk about video games or your holidays, or suggest some games that I might be able to stream for you this holiday season. I'd love to hear from you. This episode of Polygamer is airing during Hanukkah, and we have one more episode of Polygamer coming up before Christmas. So whatever holiday you are enjoying, and whenever I may speak to you next, I hope you're having a merry season. Now let's find out more about Take This. There's nobody else I'd rather be speaking with this holiday season than my dear friend Susan Arndt, co-founder of Take This. Hi, Susan. Hello. How are you? 
I am very well. It is good to talk to you. I haven't talked to you in a while. Well, thank you. I saw you at PAX East, and we've both yes. been quite busy since then. Yeah, yeah, it's been a heck of a year. <laughs> heck of a year. Yeah, there are a lot more PAXs to go to now. There are, yeah. Uh, San Antonio was this year. I also did PAX Australia this year. So, yeah, a whole lot of, of, of really cool people. And are you going to PAX South in 2016? I am, and I will be at PAX East as well. And Because that, that's just a month or two from now, isn't it? Uh-huh. I just, let, let's, shh, shh. I can't. One crisis at a time. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Right. Tickets for PAX Australia for next year just went on sale. What? Already? Yes. I know. I'm like, wait, but, huh? <laughs> but it just happened in, in the end of October, beginning of November, and then tickets immediately went on sale for the next one. I thought that was, like, stop it. It's just, very unlike PAX, for sure. I know. Yeah, right now, at the time of this recording, I'm just trying to get past next week when I'm going to Gamer X. Right? Which is the same month as, you know, when final grades are due, when the holiday madness is occurring. Mm-hmm. They could have mm-hmm. picked a better time, in my opinion. Yeah, December is rough. Like, December is really rough to try and do anything because even, like, even, okay, let's say you don't, you, you don't celebrate Christmas, you don't have all those holiday obligations, you're still trying to work around all the travel of everybody who is. And all the of like people shopping and like I don't because I don't know what it's like anywhere else, but at least right here, and I'm just in a little suburb. People are driving like like they have no idea how the vehicle works. That there are other people on the road. They're just completely focused on whatever they need to do. Like I gotta get my I gotta get my holiday shopping done. So they're in the holiday spirit, in other words. A <laughs> holiday spirit, at least. Perhaps not, not the friendliest one. Perhaps not. No. Hmm. So you are here today as the co-founder of Take This, yes. and at this point in the podcast, I've already given the listeners a brief synopsis of what it is and how they can listen to the previous episode that you were on, okay. but let's make sure I got it right. In your own words, briefly, what is Take This? So Take This is a nonprofit organization dedicated to increasing empathy, education, and awareness about mental health issues within the gaming and gaming-adjacent community. So that's... Folks who play, folks who create them, everybody in between um, just want to get people more comfortable talking about mental health issues because mental health matters. And, of course, there's a a lot of misunderstandings and misconceptions and fears associated with talking about it. And it is a fact. The more you talk about it, the better you get. So uh, that's what we want to do. And we just want to – we really just want to normalize that conversation. Like, you know, if you – this is the analogy I already always use. Uh, If your friend has the flu, you – they're posting about it on Facebook. They're like Instagramming pictures of their pile of tissues. You know, like we're very, very comfortable talking about when we're physically ill or physically not at our best. Uh, But we don't do that for mental health. And we should feel just as comfortable doing that. And so we're trying to help people uh, learn that and learn how to normalize the conversation and and feel okay about those days where they're not okay. I assume it's a complex issue for the reasons and historically why we don't discuss those things. Is it a lot of it just because it's so misunderstood? Well, sure. I mean, a, a lot of it is – the thing is if you break your arm, right, you get it. You know what's wrong. You fell out of a tree. Your bone snapped. You hold it still long enough. You get better. Physical ailments are, in general, very easy to relate to, very easy to understand. If, you know, you might not know why your friend has a stomach ache, but you've had a stomach ache, so you can immediately relate to to what they're feeling. With mental health, 
even if you and I both have anxiety, it might have different triggers. It might manifest differently. Uh, we might treat it differently. Um, and, and then on top of all that, it, it, mental health and the way it's been treated, historically, not great. Uh, kind of terrifying the way mental health has been treated, at least in this country, uh, historically. And a lot of our entertainment still portrays mental illness as this huge, scary, life-wrecking thing that turns you into a raving monster. And the truth is just really boring. Uh, it's just so not like that. Um, so it's a, it's a combination of many different things, and it, in, including it's not taught in school. You know, you have health class in school. Mental health is very rarely, if ever, addressed. Uh, health insurance, at least in the United States, doesn't cover it a lot. Uh, it's difficult to, for, to find the health care and pay for it. So there's a whole lot of reasons why it's difficult to get people to talk about and be comfortable with. And one of the opportunities you give people to talk about mental health um, most noticeably is at the various PAXs where you've established the AFK room. Yes, yes. Um, so the AFK room is a place one, – one thing we realized in going to conventions is there's a whole – like even if you don't on a day-to-day -day basis have a, a mental health issue, a – show can really be overwhelming because there's just so much like there's a lot of people and you haven't slept enough and you probably haven't eaten well and you might not have showered and there's a lot of noise and there's just lots and lots of stress and so the afk room is a place where uh it's quiet it's away from the hustle and bustle so if you just kind of need a moment to recoup your emotional energy you can go chill and it's a place where nothing is expected of you. You don't have to make any decisions. You don't have to look at anybody. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to have a plan for what you're going to do next. You can just sort of be. And by having it on site, it gives attendees permission to stop being at the con for a little while. Because it's really hard when you're at a show like PAX to justify, you know, I'm, I'm feeling kind of stressed out. I'm going to go back to my hotel room for a while. Because you feel like you're doing it wrong. You're like, wait, no. No, I can't leave the show. The show doesn't close for another four hours. I can't leave. What are you talking about? I have to soak up all this fun. But if if the if you can just say, well, I'm just going to go down this hallway and take part of something the show is offering, and that helps me relax, it's, it's much easier for them to uh, take care of themselves that way and give themselves permission to en engage in a little bit of self-care and take themselves out of that. Um, and for folks who need a little extra help um, because uh, it is a very stressful environment and can trigger a lot of different anxieties and a lot of different mental health issues. Uh, we have clinicians on staff at all times to help people regain their calm, to use the tools and skills that they already have to regain their calm and go back out and enjoy the show. I just finished watching your documentary, which was lovely, and we'll be talking about it more shortly. But one of the things you mentioned in there is that most people who come to the AFK room just need to spend five minutes not being spoken to. Yep, exactly, exactly. Because the thing is, there's there's this pressure, especially if you're on a show with friends, there is pressure that you put on yourself to be having fun at all times. You're you're at this thing, it's short, it's a it's a limited time, you've paid to be there, it's really awesome, you've been looking to it for looking forward to it forever. So you should be having fun. But it is totally natural 
to want to get away from that, to be to to want to get away from the noise, to want to get away from being in a crowd of hundreds of people pressing on you, you know, to actually thousands, but uh, you know, waiting in line and 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 being tired and hot and all that, it is completely natural. So yeah, most people just they come in, they sit, they don't have to talk to anybody, they can just have a nice cold glass of water, maybe check their email on their phone, just close their eyes. And just not have any demands on them. Nothing. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to decide what game you're going to see next or whether you want to go up to the merch room. You know, none of that. Nothing. You can just sit. And it it allows, it's a, it's a nice little release valve on that pressure. And then they can go back and they're recharged. And they're like, okay, I am ready to go out and, and attack this show again. It is challenging, though. Even I, as an extrovert, I love to always be on the go and to try to take in as much of PAX as I can. But sometimes, even for Gamer X in December, I looked at the schedule of all the panels I wanted to go to and realized I had not afforded myself any time to eat. Yup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is, and and that's, and the thing is, when you're in it, you're like, well, that's okay. I just, I just won't eat that day, and it won't matter. Eh, but it does. You know, uh, not not eating regularly, not. And not eating real food. Like this is something I, I educate uh, the enforcers before every PAX about how to take care of themselves and each other. And one of the things I say is you got to eat at least one real meal every day. You burn something like 5,000 calories at a PAX per day. You got to eat real food. Like a bag of, of Doritos and a, a coffee, not going to get it done. You need to treat your body like a machine. Treat it well. Treat your body like it belongs to someone you love and feed it. Yep. Yeah, I've I've never gone on the record with this, but the very first time I ever went to a video game convention was E3 96. Mm-hmm. And I, it was my first time out of my own time zone, and I was not sleeping well or yeah. eating well or taking the time to hydrate. And I was in the Sega booth playing Daytona USA, which at that mm-hmm. time was a new game. And the next thing I knew, I was on the floor and people <gasps> were asking me what year it was and if I knew who the president was. Oh, my gosh. And then the next thing I knew, I was in an ambulance. And the next thing I knew, I was in a hospital. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it was just wow. I, it was just exhaustion. I just passed out. And I, I definitely lost that race in Daytona. <laughs> I mean that was my main concern, really. But and I lost out well, on as whole, it should be. And I lost out on a whole day V three in my attempt to take in everything. I got nothing. Right, 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 right. And that's that's really the perfect metaphor for it, right there. <laughs> yeah, it's a very literal metaphor. It is a very literal metaphor. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it, the thing is, like, you're if you push yourself too much, it's diminishing returns because you won't enjoy the experience as much because. You're mentally not going to be your best self. So even though it seems like you're doing it wrong by taking a break, it actually overall improves your experience. It's kind of like cramming for a test until 3 a.m. You're not going to remember yep. everything. Exactly. Exactly. It's yeah, more it's... important to go to bed at an early hour, get a good night's sleep, and take the test well rested. Yep. Exactly. You're exactly right. So are the AFK rooms now at all four PAXs? This was the first year we hit all four. Uh, next year, we also intend to be at all four. Um, yeah, and it's, what's, what's really interesting is how different each one is because geographically people are, are respond to it so differently and use it differently and need it differently. This has been very, very interesting. Um, for example, in Australia, the Australian government has, has really put a lot 
of time and effort and resources into getting people to understand that mental health matters and has provided so many resources for them, online consultation, because a lot of areas of Australia are very, very remote. And so someone going to a clinic, really just not realistic. So they've set up uh, set up online uh, clinicians to be able to help people. Uh, there's uh, one resource that's specifically aimed at men because Australian uh, men typically have a, 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 a very, very sort of macho approach to, you know, I'm not sick, I'm fine, everything's fine. Everything's not always fine. So, you know, it's, it's very much targeted at getting those men to say, you're not weak by saying you need help. You're actually doing the right thing for you and your family. Uh, so they're very, very responsive to the idea of an AFK room and super, super enthusiastic. And as soon as you explain the idea to them, they're like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Whereas here in the U.S., getting folks to understand is, is a little bit more of uh, an effort required because we're, we still, as, as a nation, not that great response to the idea of mental health. Do you find that the experiences and clientele at each of the three PACs in the United States are pretty similar, or does it vary region to region? It varies region to region. Um, in in uh, San Antonio, for example, far more people just wanted to disconnect. It was very much more that situation of giving themselves permission to stop being at the show. Uh, Texas has actually... Uh, and again, this is all very speaking in generalizations, but as a culture is very similar to the masculinity of Australia in that they don't like admitting they're not okay. Um, so there, there was a, that'll, that'll be a more long-term acceptance kind of thing. Like folks use the room, but it was, it was a lot more of, Oh no, no, I'm just tired. Okay. You know what? Cool. You're here and that's what matters. Right. Whereas, Seattle, which has a much better support system for mental health, the folks who come into the AFK, AFK room there are much more open to admitting like, hey, I am not okay in this moment and I need some help. And then East is somewhere in between because uh, Massachusetts also is very uh, open about being supportive of mental health. This being the first year that you've been at all four PAXs, that requires a significant investment of time and resources and yes. take this as a limited organization as anyone is. Yes. Do you see yourself expanding to additional gaming events like Gen Con or RTX? Um, I possibly, although that is not our next immediate goal. Our next immediate goal is actually a uh, scholarship program scholarship grant program oh, interesting. uh for to to help folks pay for mental health care because here in the united states like i said oftentimes the biggest obstacle to getting mental health care is find a way to pay for it even if you have health insurance and not everybody does getting your insurance to pay for a doctor's visit is challenging it's very very difficult finding a doctor in your area who is accepting new patients who is right for you, who accepts your insurance. Cause this is the thing. It's not, it's not one size fits all when it comes to therapy. There might be a, a, a doctor in your area who takes your insurance, but their approach to therapy doesn't work for you. And that's, that's, you know, that's it. finding a therapist that you mesh well with personality wise is also part of the challenge. So we're, uh, that's what our um, holiday 
fund drive is all about this year is uh, raising donations for the scholarship fund to help folks pay for their mental health care. Mental health, as you said, can be very expensive, and it's often something that's required on an ongoing basis. It's not like yes. when you break your arm, it sets, and then it heals, right. and then you're done. Correct. So would a scholarship only be like a, a short-term solution, a stopgap measure? It 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 probably would, honestly. Um, but it's also and, – and as you say, it is very, very expensive. We're not going to be able to pay for someone's entire treatment, more than likely. However, if we can give someone – a thousand dollars and they can use that to get on that path. Like, you know what? I've, I'm, I'm not okay. I'm not seeing a therapist. I've never seen a therapist. I haven't pursued therapy or any kind of treatment, whether that's, uh, you know, medical, like, you know, uh, prescription treatment or an diet and exercise or whatever. If we can help them take that first step to the point where they realize like, wow, okay, this is something that is improving my quality of life. I need to figure out how to make this work. Then that's of benefit, right? Because a lot of people will never even try it because they can't afford it or they don't want to risk the money or what have you. Oh, that, that's amazing. That's a really creative solution that you've come up with and I hope it works out. I do too. I do too. I mean, because here's, here's my thing. Like I want everyone to live the best version of their life that they can. If you have a mental health issue, it will probably never go away completely, right? Like I am stuck with anxiety for the rest of my life. But that doesn't mean I can't still live a really great, fulfilling, happy, satisfying life, right? But I would not have gotten to that point if I hadn't admitted the fact that I had mental health issues, hadn't sought treatment for them, wasn't, you know, still trying to, you know, evaluate every day. Is this still working? Do I need to tweak this? You know, and so I am living the best version of my life that I can. And it's 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 such a gift to go from feeling awful and just feeling like everything is just crappy to taking a step and suddenly feeling like, wait a minute, I have control of my life. My life can be good. Tomorrow can be awesome. I might still have bad days, but that's okay. Cause overall life's going to be good. And I want everyone to have that. I want everyone to have their best shot at living their best life. And if we can help them in any small way, maybe we're paying for their prescriptions. Maybe we're getting them to their, their first visit with a clinician, whatever it is, then I think that has value. And this is why you're one of my favorite people in the gaming industry. Oh, thank you. You want to promote empathy in the gaming industry and to have the empathy that you do to help people get on that path and get to where life doesn't have to suck. That is just amazing. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing. It, it, we're so, and I, and I mentioned this in the documentary, we're connected and yet still so alone in so many ways. And what I've seen at, at PAX, when you invite someone, when you, can, when you tell them, you know what, whatever's going on in your head right now, it's okay. I don't think any different of you. You know, I don't judge you. It's, it's, it's cool. When they're given that emotional permission to, to be themselves and to come with whatever issue they have, they just... 
they open up completely and and it's like a light comes out and they're and they're just so happy to have that fear of being judged and being hated taken away so i yeah i want to do that for everybody cuz it sucks to be convinced that people are going to hate you or judge you because of this thing in your head so yeah I want to. I want to take that away. I want people to, to to feel good and be okay with themselves as they are. But as you said, we are a community that is oftentimes disconnected. And you yes. recently retweeted a link to a Gama Sutra post by a developer named Jeff Eleanor, mm-hmm. where he wrote about ever since he joined the AAA game dev industry, he doesn't see his family as often. He works way more than 45 hours a week. He rarely gets to the gym. And he says that's the price he pays to do what he loves, which yeah. is make games. Yeah. But it sounds like from my experiences with men- with mental health, it really needs a lot of balance. It needs yes. you know, extroverted and introverted time. It needs to exercise the body and the mind. Yep. It sounds to me like the game dev industry is almost not good for people who have these challenges it's not it the 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 game industry the the one the the mentality of of crunch and never leaving the office and if you're that person who goes home to your family you're not really trying that that whole mentality which to be clear not all developers embrace that a lot of developers are like no that's that's bs you need balance you need to go home and sleep in your bed and see your family and and not work weekends. But that mentality is extremely bad for mental health. It is not sustainable in the long term. It isn't. It's bad for you. It is provably, demonstrably bad for you. But there is there is very much in our culture this sort of, it's a badge of honor to not get any sleep. And, oh, I'm just surviving on Cheetos and espresso and some cigarettes and that's now that's how you know I'm hardcore. It's like you're killing yourself, man. Like that's not healthy. You need to have balance, as you say, you need to treat your physical and your mental. You need time to be and it's also those diminishing returns like we were talking about earlier. You know, if you're just staying up all hours and just because that makes you feel like you're working hard, it's actually better to just work fewer hours and then come back sharp, right? So, yeah. Uh, the, the the troubling thing with regard to the developer side of things is a lot of developers do simply flat out do not feel comfortable uh, admitting that they have any mental health issues because that could seriously impact their employability. Because if you've got five people in a room who can do the job, right, and one of them says well, hey, I I suffer from depression. All of the things being equal, you're probably going to hire somebody else. That's that's just true. That's just true. And it sucks. So how do you connect with members of the community, whether they're developers or gamers, when we spend so much of our time behind the screen? And as you said in the documentary, PAX is only once a year. And after those three days, you have to wait another year. Right. So in between the AFK rooms, how do you reach those people? Well, we do. We have a lot of them who uh, contact us directly. I get messages on almost a daily basis. Uh, Folks 
just it's it's really funny what folks m- want from us the most is just a signal that it's okay to not be okay so both Russ and I are very very open about the fact that we deal with mental health issues I am on Twitter regularly talking about having a bad anxiety day uh or or PTSD and I will get a lot of responses that way like hey you know I really appreciate you being open about this. It makes me feel more comfortable talking about my own challenges. And of course, emailing take uh, the, the site, takethis.org. Lots of folks want to just share experiences with us. It mostly comes down to not people asking for help, but just wanting to ha- feel a place, have a place where they feel safe saying, this is what's going on in my head. Like, some days the anxiety is so bad, I, I feel like I can't leave the house. Like, and I totally get that. I totally get it. Like, I just, like, no. And nothing bad will happen if you leave the house, right? Like, you just got to run to the grocery store and talk to people. It's not a big whoop. But some days it's just like, you know what? No. Mm-mm. Can't. And I get that. And when people reach out to me for that, like, oh, wow, you you know, you don't think – you're not treating me weird because I admitted that I don't want to leave the house. Like, no, nah, I totally get it. And even if I don't get it, like if I can't understand someone's personal version, I, you know, I still have my own version. So I, I, you know, I don't think everybody has to be perfect at all times. And I think that's what comes through and why people reach out and say, Hey, I'm not perfect today. Okay. That's cool. Not your day. And you'll also be reaching out to them over the upcoming holiday stream? Absolutely. So, uh, Tell us all about it. I will. So, okay. So here's the thing. The holidays, man, the holidays are tough because they're very, very family-oriented. It's all about being together with your loved ones and everything you'll see on TV is all like, yeah, let's get together as a family and we all love each other and it's so great. And when you don't have that for whatever reason, whether it's because you're just maybe you're at college and you couldn't come home for the holidays. Uh, maybe it's because you don't get along with your family. Maybe it's because they've passed on. Whatever the reason is, if you don't have that, it can be immensely difficult and incredibly, incredibly sad and challenging to be surrounded by that at all times. And it can be very, very isolating because you're supposed to be happy at the holidays. Ha ha, it's the holidays. Why aren't you happy? So we do, uh, and we did this last year, we're doing it again, the It's Dangerous to Stream Alone holiday stream, which is, it's to achieve a combination of things. One, if you're feeling kind of alone, just come hang out with us. We will be your family for the day. We We will share our holiday with you. And that is totally cool. Just chill out with us. We'll be playing some games. We'll be being doofuses. That's what we do. It's also to raise money for the scholarship program that I had uh, talked about earlier. What's really cool this year, and there's details about it on the website, is that anybody can participate. Like last year, we had one single stream, and you had to, you know, you'd tune in to see certain people at certain times. This year, if you want to take part, if you would like to stream in a, and have that benefit our organization, you can do that. You don't have to coordinate with us. You just it's the details for it on the site. You'll just, you know. Put all that information in your stream and then folks can donate. And uh, then you are part of the official stream and that's pretty great. But yeah, that's that's the point of uh, It's Dangerous to Stream Alone this year. 
So you don't even know what particular games you'll be playing? I have no idea. <laughs> I think I think I'm going to. So I, I asked people uh, what they would like me to stream, and I got a lot of very silly answers. The one thing people said was Yoshi's Woolly World, though. Oh, you must love that game. Oh my god, I do. I'm so into it. <laughs> I love that game. So I might do that. If I don't do that, I'm going to do Destiny because I freaking love Destiny. Really? I, I love that game. The Taken King. Yes. Okay. Love it. Absolutely love it. So I might do that. Okay. And this is all done on Twitch. Is that right? It will. Yep. Mm -hmm. It'll all be on Twitch. Uh, It starts December 28th at noon Eastern. And uh, it ends at uh, 11.59 p.m. Eastern on the 29th. So 36 hours straight. Yep. And anyone can join. Uh, you just, you go to, it's called, uh, Tiltify is the service that's hooking us up for it. You just go to the campaign page and you fill out your info and boom, that's it. You're helping. That, that is a great service because as you said, the holidays, a lot of people get time off from work or from school and they don't necessarily have anywhere to go. And at least here in New England, everything is so gray and dark and, uh, it's nice to have something to look forward to and somebody to spend it with. Yeah. It's, it's, the end of the year is is challenging for a lot of reasons. Um, even just s- simple stuff like it's dark out. It's really dark out. It's p- mo- for most of the country. It's cold out, you know, so it's not even like you can go for a nice walk or, or something like that. Um, so yeah, it can be really, really tough. So I invite anybody who wants to, to come hang out with us. You can laugh at me at, at my warlock in destiny, or maybe I will do y- Yoshi's Willy world. Uh, Russ is going to do chibi robo again. If you missed that last year, you definitely want to see that because that game is not right. There's some weird stuff happening in that game. <laughs> it's just not right. It's just not right. It's okay. just, I mean, it's adorable and wonderful. And at the same time, you really need to wonder what those designers were thinking. Yeah, I've played games like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how much cough syrup were you on when you made right? this? Exactly. Exactly. It's very strange. It's very strange, but it's fun. But it's fun. So another way in which Take This has grown in the past year is you now have a 24-minute documentary. We do. From Flying Saucer Media. Yes. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's, it's wonderful when we, when we can do a podcast like this where I, you know, we can take the time to really explain what it is. And also, you already kind of know our, our thing because you are part of the gaming community. Like, you get it. I can talk to you about gamers, and you know immediately what I'm talking about. I can talk about packs, and you immediately know what I'm talking about. When we try to explain what take this is and what we do outside of our little bubble, it's a lot harder. So we wanted something that would help people understand what this is and why it's important. And so that led to the documentary. Was it originally an IGN exclusive? It was. Yep. And now it's available generally on YouTube. Yes. Yeah. IGN uh, is, has been a wonderful, wonderful partner to us. And so they, uh, it was exclusive on there for a month, I think. Uh, but now you can watch it on YouTube. And uh, I'm pretty proud of it, I have to say. I think it's pretty good watching. Yeah, it's a nice piece. It's very easy to watch. You can consume it entirely in just your lunch break. Yep. You know, just 24 minutes. It's the same length of a, as an episode of Big Bang Theory. Uh, they're and infinitely superior. Let's of be course. honest. Of yeah. course, and far yeah. more guest stars. <laughs> we do have a fair number of guest stars in it, as a matter of fact. I, I wasn't being sarcastic. Yeah. I mean, these are what qualify for stars in the gaming industry. Absolutely true. Yeah. Absolutely true. All of whom have been extremely supportive, and uh, I can't thank them enough. 
Now, I also noticed that you were recently hiring on LinkedIn for a website editor. We have recently filled that position. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Yeah, because here's the thing. I mean, when Take This started in 2012, it was me and Russ. And uh, we never really thought it would grow as quickly as it did or become this kind of little mini juggernaut like it has. And so I was originally in charge of uh, the website content because, well, that's what I do. Like, that's my skill set. But, uh, I mean, I, I still have a full-time job. So it was difficult for me to pay as much attention as it deserves and as the people we want to serve deserve. So we decided we needed uh, an editor to help keep that site as a vibrant and vital resource for people uh, with regard to mental health, things like, when, okay, we refer to self-care frequently, right? A lot of people don't know what that means. Like, what is self-care? How do I, how do, I do it? What kind of things should I do when I, want, when I need to take care of myself, right? That's a resource on, on there that we, sh- we should have and don't. So that's why we've brought on a, a new website editor, to add that kind of info, to make it a really helpful resource, both for people who have mental health issues and those who don't. We want to, like, for example, if you're, if your partner, uh, if you believe they are suffering from depression, how do you broach that subject with them? How do you have that conversation? Or if they come to you and say, hey, I have depression, what should you not say? You know, what, what things can you say that are helpful? How can you be supportive? What's, what are best practices? Stuff like that. Like, that's all the kinds of resources that uh, we we want our site to have, and and so we've uh, brought on a new editor to do that. Now I don't want to go too much into the details of how the sausage is made, but I imagine you got a lot of applications for this position. Yep. <laughs> and you just had to go through every single one of them and interview all the good ones. Uh, well, no. The thing is, with our, it's a very strange confluence because we're asking for someone who understands about mental health, uh, someone who understands the gaming community, and someone who understands. Websites. And WordPress. And and WordPress, yeah. So that necessarily narrowed it down a lot um, because we really needed somebody who was going to be passionate about our mission because this isn't something you can phone in. It's dealing with mental health issues is extremely demanding because it's just very, very emotional. And these are people who are who feel abandoned and isolated and judged a lot. And you really, you really need to be passionate about this in order to cope with that a lot. Uh, So that was, that was the kinds of intangible things that we were looking for uh, that helped us narrow down. Well, great. Um, Congratulations on growing the team and I hope that works out well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I have some other sort of random questions about gaming and mental health. Maybe not necessarily about take this if you're okay. for fielding some random questions. Hit me. Wonderful. So you had mentioned that uh, anxiety is something that you live with. Yes. And one of the reasons, in my opinion, that mental health is so misunderstood is because it uses words that have a lot of meanings. Like mm-hmm. depression can be both an emotion and a condition. Correct. You know, we all get a little bit depressed every now and then. Yep. That's not necessarily a chemical imbalance that you need to get on medication for. Yep. It it can just be, oh, I'm sad. Yep. And something I've just recently been learning the past year or so is that anxiety can have that same dual meaning where people can be anxious without necessarily having anxiety. 
Yes, entirely correct. Can you tell me a little bit about the, what that difference is? Sure, of course. Um, um, so the thing is, uh, most uh, mental health issues are connected to emotions that you would feel in everyday life. It is perfectly normal to feel anxiety sometimes. If you are running late for a really important job interview, yeah, you're going to feel anxious. You know, if you, uh, you know, if your beloved grandpa passes away, you're going to feel depressed. These are normal emotional states. Everybody feels them at some point, right? The difference with something like that kind of anxiety, which has a clear specific trigger and also begins and ends, is my kind of anxiety, the kind of, of clinical anxiety, doesn't necessarily have a logical or appropriate trigger and it doesn't go away. So, you know, what might set me off is doesn't make any sense. And I'm very much aware of the fact that it doesn't make any sense. I can be sitting in my house on a Saturday afternoon and not be able to breathe because of anxiety. Everything's fine. Nothing's happening. I'm sitting there watching Scandal. Everything's okay. But that's what clinical anxiety is like. It doesn't apply to logic. It just decides when it feels like flaring up. And while you might have known triggers, like travel is a big one for me. Travel makes me very, very anxious. I know this. It's just, that's just how it is. It will also just come out of the blue and it does its thing. And there's not really a whole lot you can do about it. So that's the difference between something like an everyday normal version of anxiety or depression. Depression, your grandpa passes away. Of course, you're going to be depressed. And then you will work through that in an emotional way. Depression, as, as in clinical depression, is not tied to an event. It is something that affects you on a daily basis. And some days you're up and some days you're down. And it's not usually tied to anything in particular. It's just how it is. And it may have been triggered by an incident or situation, but then you don't end up working through it like you would regular depression. Correct. Correct. Exactly. Because I know somebody who knew he was diagnosed with clinical depression, but had it under control up until his father passed away. Right. And now for the past five years, he's not been so good. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So whereas somebody who didn't have depression would go through that, that sort of valley of being down and then would work through it, he does not have the same emotional resources to be able to do that. So it's going to affect him in a much different way. So here's a question that if this is a, I don't mean to uh, take advantage of your friendship. And if you think this is a better question for me to ask a psychologist, you tell me. Okay. So I had a friend in my life who in her own words was suffering from PTSD and okay. probably anxiety. Okay. And in her opinion, although she did acknowledge that these were issues, she saw them more as character flaws for her to work through on her own. Mm. So, you know, I did the best I could to encourage her to say this is uh, a chemical imbalance and that's not something you can just power through. Right. But in lieu of that, her behavior to people around her was not necessarily healthy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Now, I, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to say if... You meet somebody with a mental health disorder, run the other way. That's very no, stigmatizing. Gosh. It's very mm -hmm. damaging. It's totally unfair. Right. But to what degree am I empowered or enabled to protect myself? Yep. Okay. Uh, this is an excellent question because you want if, if you care about somebody, right, you want to help them. 
you want them to be okay. And it's obviously oftentimes easier for you as the outsider to see the behavior and go, girl, you are not going to think your way through this, right? Uh, so we use an, uh, an analogy in Take This a lot. So you know when you get on an airplane, right? They're doing the safety check. You know, the, find the exit. The closest exit may be behind you. And then they talk about in case the cabin depressurizes, the oxygen mask will drop down. Right. You know what I'm talking about? And they always tell you, put yours on first and then help the person next to you. Right. You always have to put your mask on first. You have to make sure you are okay first and then you can help other people. So if, if your relationship with this person is getting to the point that it is starting to harm you, you need to put your mask on first. You are not being a jerk by doing that. You are not being a bad friend by doing that. You are not abdicating your responsibility by doing that. That is healthy. That is appropriate. People have to take a certain amount of personal responsibility for their own mental health, right? When I was first... uh suffering. I was in denial of it a lot. I was just convinced that I was fine. It was just a physical problem. No, whatever. Yeah. I, sure. I can't sleep and my hands are going numb and I can't breathe and my heart is racing all the time. But once this particular, you know, once I get to this point in the calendar, I'll be fine. Obviously this is complete bullshit. <laughs> I was not fine. That didn't happen. No, no, very much not. And it really took a long time for me to be able to say to myself, I'm not okay. I need to do something about it. Nothing anybody like me you know, and, and my husband, bless his heart, was trying to get me to seek the help I needed. And he could only do so much. And after a while, it was no longer his responsibility. I had to, I had a responsibility to take care of myself. You can't drag a person into the therapist's office if they don't want to go because it won't help them if they're there because you want them to be there as opposed to them wanting to be there. They're probably not going to get the kind of progress and, and positivity out of it that they will if it's something that they are personally have a stake in. And that's, frustrating and sad and challenging and it's a really really hard thing to see but ultimately you have to put your mask on first that is really hard because it feels to a degree like being a bad friend yep yep absolutely it does but you're not you're not i'll have to keep telling myself that yeah because I still, to this day, don't, I'll never know if I made the right decision, but it's a decision I have to live with. Well, I mean, this is, this is the thing. I mean, you can't, you can't save people from themselves, you know? No, but even just by, I mean, just by being in somebody's life, even if you're not telling them what to do or encouraging them with what they, with, what would make them better, you know, sometimes just having a friend to hang out with. Absolutely true. Can help. Absolutely, absolutely true. And if this were a situation where, you were not being damaged by her behavior, then absolutely just being in her life, that's being an awesome friend. But 
it is not your responsibility to sign up to be abused and to sign up to be hurt on the off chance that your presence is helping her. Thank you. And again, I'm not a clinician. I'm not a professional. However, I've seen some shit. So I can imagine. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So let's bring it back to games. Yes. You recently blogged about uh, some of these same issues, PTSD and anxiety. Yes. And how you thought you might be seeing them represented in a positive or at least constructive way in the new Tomb Raider game. Yes. Rise of the Tomb Raider. Yes. And you were disappointed that what was hinted at in various E3 trailers was not, in fact, an element of the game. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So for those of you who maybe haven't played the game, in the in the first game, in the reboot, the 2013 Tomb Raider, Lara has just gotten out of university. She's a very enthusiastic archaeology student, and she believes that she has found the location of the lost island of Yamatai. And she has talked all of her friends into, no, 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 it's here, it's here, it's here. And they're on an expedition. And they do indeed find the lost island of Yamatai. A lot of her friends die. Uh, one of her friends in particular, Sam, her best friend, is placed in a really, really horrible position. And it's just, it's a very, very traumatic event, which she is feeling extremely guilty for. Because, I mean, obviously they were all along for the ride. They all signed up for it. But it's her fault because she's the one who found the place. Okay. So also, one of, she saw supernatural stuff. She saw the spirit of a long-dead princess. She saw, you know, all this sort of supernatural things on this island. She comes back to civilization. Nobody believes her. Because why would they? Who's going to believe you? Oh, yeah, okay, you went to a mystical island where they were resurrecting the spirit of a dead princess? Okay. Right? So, I was really hoping that... The, the new game would show her wrestling with that because one of the things with PTSD is depending on what the uh, original source of it is for you, people tend not to believe you. You know, why, why, why are you still so traumatized by this thing, right? Like, why is this still happening to you? And because Oftentimes, the things that will set you off seem rather benign. There's a lot of misunderstanding and, you know, why aren't you getting better? Are you just doing this for attention? Are you making this up? Why can't you just get over it? There's a lot of that. So I was really hoping that this, by having Lara go through that, would provide context for some folks so they could maybe better understand how this works. And... uh and I understand why they took it out of the game. It's a very heavy subject. It's not entertaining. Uh, and if you haven't played the first game, you probably wouldn't understand why Lara has PTSD. Like, what What the heck? I don't get it. Why is, she, why is the Tomb Raider suddenly all morose? I get it. I really, really do. It's a tough sell. And they, they need the game to sell well. You know, from a, from a business perspective, they need it to be as safe and welcoming as possible. So that entire personality thread basically gets removed. And I get it, but I'm sad because it would have made her, she was a very, very human character to me in Tomb Raider. Very much a person on a personal journey, 
and now in Rise of the Tomb Raider, which I have to emphasize is a fantastic game. Really fun. But now for me, she's just an avatar. She's not a person anymore. So I was a little disappointed. But how could they have gone about that? I mean, going around and raiding tombs is one thing. Going around and convincing people that you saw a spirit might be a very different game and not a very fun one. Well, that's see, that's the thing. That's not what it's about. It's about, okay, this is who I am now. How do I live as this person from this moment forward, right? Like, I don't need to convince people that what happened to me happened, right? I don't need them to understand what happened to me happened. What is more important for me is who am I now? Who am I tomorrow? How do I go through the rest of my life with the person that I am now, right? Because I'm not the person that I was before. I am different. This thing changed me. Okay, so who am I now? So for Lara, whether anybody believes her or not, she needs to come to terms with who she is now and find, you know, going after the divine source and, and going out to the world and deciding, you know what, whether they believe me or not, this is who I am. I am, I am the tomb raider. I go out and I, I search for the truths of the world, like the divine source that my dad was convinced existed, but everybody, everybody thought he was crazy. This is what matters to me now. This is who I am now. So it wouldn't have been about, you know, hey, guys, why don't you believe me or her in her psychiatrist's office? It would have been more about her becoming okay being in her own skin. I'm sorry that that element didn't make it into the game. I, I, I mean, for the reasons that you explained, I can see why it wasn't. But, yeah. you know, appropriate representation of mental health in video games is very hard. And it seems like that it is an opportunity. I I think so. I mean, I get it. I really, really do. I'm not I'm not criticizing them for not doing it because I think it was probably the right business decision. Uh, I I just I do think it it would have been really great. Speaking of mental health representation in video games, have you played Life is Strange? Yes, I have. What did you think? Uh, either as a game or as anything else? Uh, as a game, it the 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 last chapter is a huge misstep, uh, which is really unfortunate. Overall, fantastic game, amazing game, incredibly incredible storytelling, really great characters, definitely worth playing as a depiction of mental health. So here's the thing. On the one hand, okay, there is a character, I don't want to get too spoilery, there is a character in the game who is being uh, bullied in in a very, very humiliating way. And drives her to the point where she contemplates killing herself. You, as the player, have the opportunity to prevent this. If you do certain things that, uh, like if you if you answer her call when she calls you, if you listen to her and pay attention to things she's saying, these are all elements, and, and that part is great because that's all true. There are elements of being a good friend that can make a really huge difference in whether or not someone ends up contemplating killing themselves. So that part of it is great. The problem with how that plays out is it implies that preventing suicide, if you just tick the right boxes, you're good. And if you don't tick the right boxes, it's your fault. So that's, I mean, that 
making whether or not someone kills themselves a gameplay element, the solution to a puzzle, for all intents and purposes, is tricky. It's very, very tricky. I think there's a, a lot of really intelligent aspects in that particular chapter. And, 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 and indeed, the chapter ends uh, with, you know, if you know anybody who's, who's thinking about it or if you've ever thought about it, here, here's the suicide hotline, which is fantastic. And just, just even addressing it in a real world way is fantastic because it's not, I mean, normally when we see mental health in video games, it's, you know, the evil within and you're in a haunted asylum or, you know, something like that. So to see mental health being addressed in a very realistic way is awesome. But it is a little problematic when saving someone's life is, is a win state, you know? Yeah. There was a wonderful polygon.com article. The headline was life is strange. Gave my personal tragedy a score. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Because somebody else had lived through this exact same scenario and they had come to peace with it. And then years later, this game comes along and says, no, actually, you could have saved her. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. And that and that that is the problem with that. So, I mean, it, it's 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 good because it opens up a conversation and it's not something that people talk about enough. So that's great. But that's a really, really apt way to put it is is putting a score on personal tragedy. I did enjoy the game, though, especially not only the scene that you and I are just discussing, but the beginning of Chapter 4, which deals mm-hmm. with another friend who mm-hmm. is faced with a similar decision. Yep. I, I let's played that scene, and you can hear me freaking the F out on my YouTube <laughs> channel, because I'm like, what kind of game asks me to make that decision? <sighs> that one I was, I was more okay with, because that goes to the central theme of, of the game of you think you know better. Right. Like you think you think things are supposed to go a an air quote correct way. And if I just if I just fixed this, then life would be perfect. And I, I think that actually speaks to. Something else that is, is, again, a very real world thing, you know, a lot of people and it and it does cause mental health issues, especially depression. If I just blank. I'd be happy. Right. If I just had a job, if I just had a girlfriend, if I just lost 20 pounds, I'd be happy. And that's almost never true because the fill in the blank isn't really the problem. So it, in, in that sense, that's, that was a good gameplay mechanic, but yeah, it was a little ham-fisted. I actually liked it because when I say what kind of a game asked me to make that decision, the reason I asked that question is because no game had ever asked me to make that decision true. before. Very true. And I was proud of Life is Strange to finally be brave enough to pose that question. And actually let you follow through with it. Right. Because other games might pseudo let you like make that choice and then... The appearance of agency. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then totally chicken out. Okay. Well, I think I've used up enough of your time, Susan. Thank you for entertaining such... Uh, diversity of difficult topics i really appreciate it i'm always happy to talk to you oh thank you oh um you're you're hoping to do a paxis panel about horror and video games is that right yes yes i am i am what i want to do is because i love horror i freaking love horror i mean i am into it man like horror video games horror movies this is this is my joy but it's very difficult to be a mental health advocate 
and also be a fan of horror because so often it's the crazy psycho killer or you're in a mental asylum. Like it, horror really, really, really enforces those stigmas and stereotypes about mental health. So what I wanted to do was talk about, okay, is there a way to avoid this, right? Is there a way to present to 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 present it in a way that doesn't stigmatize mental health, uh, that but is still nice and scary? Because here's the thing: who doesn't love Jason from Friday the Thirteenth, right? Like who doesn't love a good psycho killer? They're awesome. They're so fun. But you gotta understand that not everybody who's ever you know been to a mental health a uh, mental hospital, for example, is going to carve people up. So that's that's what I want to explore is 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 it possible to do both well and respectfully? I would love to be in the audience for that. Awesome. Okay. I'm not a huge fan of horror games. Is it okay for me to say that one of my favorite horror games is Silent Hill Shattered Memories? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because the fact that there was no combat in that game that all you could do was run was terrifying mm-hmm. to me. Yes. It reminded me of growing up with my three older brothers. <laughs> well that's it's it's that one's cool because it ties into like one of the things i like about horror is that it helps you reflect on your actual life and yeah if something trippy happened you're not a soldier you don't have access to rocket launchers probably all you could do is run and yep. hide yep so yeah no i no that's a totally fine answer and there was that sort of a twist ending depending on which ending you get <laughs> spoilers <sighs> okay i'll cut that part so remind us where we can find you and take this online oh okay uh take this.org is the website and uh, definitely check that out Uh, it's dangerous to stream alone is right on the front page so click on that if you would like to participate it can be any time you don't have to it just all you have to do is put in your info it's super super easy uh you can find me on twitter at susan arndt it's just my name uh and you can also find me at uh, gamesradar.com Wonderful. And there will be links to all that in the show notes. Hooray. Susan, thank you again for your time. If I don't talk to you before then, I hope you have a lovely holiday. And you too. And thanks for having me as always. Thank you. See you at PAX East. Bye. Bye. This has been Polygamer, a GameBits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at polygamer.net. Can you tell me a little bit about the, what that difference is? Sure, of course. Um, the thing is, my dog is, is growling at a squirrel in the background. I apologize. Hi, Alice. <laughs> She's over there. She's like, Mom, you don't understand. Uh, I, I understand, puppy. It's okay. As long as it's not the deer. Oh, no, no, no. No. Yeah, it's a little. The deer come more at dinner time. Okay. That's a whole other thing.